the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today it's part two of a special Christmas message. Not your traditional message. This one's called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? Pastor Sean continues to look at some things that threaten to steal the message and wonder of God with us. There is hope. This is Real Life Radio. Ferguson. <laughs> Ferguson, and now New York City. The racial divide is killing us, folks. This country's more divided racially than we've been maybe in years. And, and, and people are angry, angry on both sides of this thing. It really is. And understand, it is on both sides of this thing. The thought that a police officer would abuse their power and their, and it, whether it be for racial motive or for any motive, by the way, someone who we've empowered with a badge and a gun, that they would abuse that power to carry out their own agenda. That, that's a horrible thought that makes people angry. And we don't know what happened that day. See, that's the thing. We weren't there. We don't know what happened. It is possible that officer was doing his duty and felt attacked, and his life threatened. And he took Michael Brown's life in Ferguson. Or it is possible he was a person with bias, anger, and he provoked him. I, I don't know. All I know is what happened then afterwards, and the, and the violence and the protesting and the destruction is tearing us apart. And it's messed up. You want dividing lines? Just pick one. Because there's a bunch out there for us. You, you want to be on the other side? How about the haves and the have-nots? You know, that, that's a great one. People who have more than me are bad. I should have what they have. I mean, really. The sad part about it is there's people who have more than me, so I can resent them, and that's okay. But then there's people who I have more than, and they then resent me. It's just kind of that whole class envy. One race versus the other. It's not just black and white. It can be Hispanic. It can be Asian. It can be whatever. Whatever reason we need to put someone else down and make myself try to feel bigger. Because that's really at the heart of it. Moral convictions. And we have to understand this conversation we have about gay marriage. This is a moral conviction thing. And what I'm going to say to you folks. We have a strong belief about what the Word of God says and what it's about. You need to understand the people on the other side of the aisle from you. in this They also feel a strong moral conviction about this. And in the midst of that conversation while we have to stand for what we believe is truth, we also have to remember that God called us to see people as something sacred and something eternal and something valuable. Liberal versus conservative, Republican versus Democrat, men versus women. We haven't even talked about that one. Guys, the gals are taking all the good jobs. They're trying to take our jobs. In fact, there's several on our staff trying to take my job. I'm watching them like a hawk. 
Christmas, we will argue over Christmas. Can we celebrate Christmas? Is it, is, are you, am I violating someone else's religious right? If I have Christmas lights up, I don't know. I don't want to be offensive. Maybe one light, just a little kind of floodlight in my yard. Something, I don't know. We will find a way to divide. And, and it always has as its root, you know, kind of, you took something from me. You're trying to take something from me. You're trying to keep something from me. You owe me. Do you know what the common thing is? Me, me, me. I wish I could say, by the way, this is just something out in the world. And we in the church have gotten it all figured out. And we're so much better. But I can't. Because we have taken it to an art form in the church, this idea of disagreeing. Because we can turn it into a holy war. And now, you know, I'm on God's side and you're on, well, the devil's side if you disagree with me. And, and we do. We find disagreement. And it's really often in church. And I've seen, I've seen dear brothers and sisters over issues that are not. Like, first of all, the Bible does leave some room for different applications. And it's not a salvation issue. It's not some, one of those things that someone's going to hell over. It's simply a difference of interpretation of a particular passage. I've seen people tear up religions, walk off, and it's all based on, I'm right, you're wrong. Disagreements over theology. Polity, how we organize ourselves, how we interact in the church, politics. I will tell you, even in like-minded church, the politics has gotten significantly more divisive in the last five, seven years. I just I feel it. Used to be different types of churches maybe had different types of leanings, but now even within the same church, the politics has become something that, that has become much more divisive. Sometimes it's just, you're not letting me do what I want, so I'm mad and I'm going to leave. It's control. Those arguments you hear churches splitting over the color of carpet, yeah, nobody really cares about the color of the carpet, okay? It's, you you don't tell me, you're not the boss of me, we're all like, you know, preschoolers again. And it's control. You're judging me, don't judge me, how dare you judge me? Part of the problem is me, me, I, I, that's the problem. The, uh, the finest perspective I've seen on Ferguson, uh, was by, of all people, a football player. A really good football player. Tight end, Benjamin Watson, who plays for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I had him as a fantasy tight end when he was with the uh, New England Patriots, and he did very well for me, by the way. I had no idea. This dude, when he's done with football, he can pick wherever he wants. He is my hero. Listen to what he wrote about Ferguson. After hearing the news, he wrote, I'm angry. Because the stories of injustice that have been passed down for generations seem to be continuing before our very eyes. I'm frustrated because pop culture, music, and movies glorify these type of police-citizen altercations and promote an invincible attitude that continues to get young men killed in real life, away from the safety of movie sets and music studios. I'm fearful because in the back of my mind, I know that although I'm a law-abiding citizen, I could still be looked upon as a threat to those who don't know me. So I will continue to have to go the extra mile to earn the benefit of the doubt. I'm embarrassed because the looting, violent protests, and law-breaking only confirm and in the minds of many validate the stereotypes and thus the inferior treatment. I'm sad because another young life was lost from his family. The racial divide is widened. A community's in shambles. Accusations, insensitivity, hurt, and hatred are boiling over. And me, we may never know the truth about what happened that day. I'm sympathetic because I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe Darren Wilson, he's talking about the police officer, acted within his rights and his duty as an officer of the law and killed Michael Brown in self-defense. 
like any of us would in that circumstance. Now he has to fear for the backlash against himself and his loved ones when he was only doing his job. What a horrible thing to endure. Or maybe he provoked Michael and ignited the series of events that led to him eventually murdering the young man to prove a point. I'm offended because of the insulting comments I've seen. Comments that are only not only insensitive but dismissive to the painful experiences of others. I'm confused because I don't know why it's so hard to obey a policeman. You will not win. And I don't know why some policemen abuse their power. Power is a responsibility, not a weapon to brandish and lord over the populace. I'm introspective because sometimes I want to take our side without looking at the facts in situations like these. Sometimes I feel like it's us against them. Sometimes I'm just as prejudiced as people I point fingers at. And that's not right. How can I look at white skin and make assumptions but not want assumptions made about me? That's not right. This guy's got a career in politics or whatever he wants after football. I'm just telling you. He goes on and says, I'm hopeless. Because I've lived long enough to expect things like this to continue to happen. I'm not surprised. And at some point, my little children are going to inherit the weight of being a minority and all that it entails. I'm hopeful. Because I know that while we still have race issues in America, we enjoy a much different normal than those of our parents and grandparents. I see it in my personal relationships with teammates, friends, and mentors. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm encouraged. Because ultimately the problem is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. <laughs> that preach. I'm just serious. I'm encouraged because ultimately the problem is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Sin is the reason we rebel against authority. Sin is the reason we abuse our authority. Sin is the reason we are racist, prejudiced, and lie to cover for our own. Sin is the reason we riot, loot, and burn. But I'm encouraged because God has provided a solution for sin through His Son, Jesus, and with it, a transformed heart and mind. One that's capable of looking past the outward and seeing what's truly important in every human being. The cure for Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, and Eric Garner tragedies is not education or exposure. It's the Gospel. So finally, I'm encouraged because the Gospel gives mankind hope. Ooh! If I had a microphone right now, I'd throw it down and go, thank you. <laughs> that guy can come preach at this church anytime. Plus, I could get an autograph then because he's a good football player. <laughs> I'm just saying that is unbelievable because that's the heart of the matter. It's not a skin problem, folks. And, and if we, as long as we think it is, we're going to keep highlighting the difference of skin problem. Instead of understanding, no, no, it's a sin problem. Racism is just one of many excuses we find to put someone else down and to artificially puff ourselves up. Pick your dividing line. My challenge to us this morning is don't let the sin of division steal God's gift of unity. It's what He intends. It's what He desires. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church as this whole series on the Grinch, Who Stole Christmas, is available right now on demand on the sermon page at River City's website called reallife.org. And there's one more special Christmas service that you're invited to. In an age of constantly changing movements and trends, it's hard to find things of timeless value. Too often, if something isn't, quote, new, it's archaic, dated, 
irrelevant. This Christmas, we want to challenge the status quo and embrace and celebrate what makes this holiday special. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and I want to invite you to join us at River City Community Church for a Christmas Eve experience of carols and candlelight, where we will pause to center our Christmas celebrations around the true significance of the holiday. Come for an engaging family service and an outdoor courtyard experience with a live nativity, hot cocoa, and more. River City is located off of Lookout Road right across from Otama Park. Our Christmas Eve services are December 23rd at 7 p.m. and December 24th at 4 and 5.30 p.m. For regular service times and more information, check us out online at reallife.org. We hope to offer your family a Christmas tradition that reflects the richness and wonder of the season. From all of us, we wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. And now the conclusion to the message called The Grinch. Who stole Christmas? This is Real Life Radio. A couple thoughts about unity from the scripture we read in Philippians 2. Number one, we desperately need the beauty of unity. We desperately need the beauty of unity. Verses 1 and 2 used words like this. Encouragement, comfort, tenderness, and compassion in Christ. We're supposed to share these things. We're supposed to experience things. Understand, we're talking about unity, not uniformity. Very different. Uniformity is we're all the same, and that is... God obviously had no interest in uniformity. God loves diversity. It's immensely creative. But unity is where we see each other as, while we have beautiful differences, we see that the the things we share in common are most core, and they're at the center of who we are. Our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions are designed by a Father who created us for real life. We're in the same boat. It's not uniformity. It's unity. And it's beautiful. Encouragement, comfort, tenderness, compassion in Christ. We desperately need these things in our relationship. And I'm telling you, our world has become so mean-spirited. It's like the whole thing is a mean reality TV show. Reality TV is like the greatest example of it because it's almost like that's like the, the American Coliseum. We love to see people crash and burn for our entertainment. Drag out whatever we can. What happened to our empathy? Just the ability to sit and say, wait a minute. I wouldn't want to be embarrassed like that. I wouldn't want that paraded out. Why would I want that for anybody else? Whatever happened to just our sense of, well, yeah, we're different. I may not know that person, but they're a person and so am I. So I kind of want good things for them because we're both persons. Whatever happened to that? We desperately need the beauty of unity. Second, unity begins by following the same leader. Unity begins by following the same leader. That's, that's what Paul said right at the beginning. If there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, united with Christ, I've shared this this illustration with, I can't tell you how many married couples, because it's a great illustration for marriage, but really, it's the same truth for any relationship. It's like a big triangle, right? We're all at different places along the line, different experiences, different kind of seasons, and Christ is at the top. And the simple truth is, as you move closer to Christ, you move closer to each other. A beautiful illustration for marriage, but it's really true. Anyway, as we begin to follow Jesus, it affects what we think is most important. It affects how we view other people. It affects, it affects how we treat each other. It affects how, how we handle our, our everyday life affairs, how we raise our kids, how we, how we, we handle our finances. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I, I've sat and talked to people in a kind of premarital counseling situation where one of the people is a believer and the other is not. 
And the scripture says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, it's not specifically talking about marriage. I think this is just something you need to be careful with. Anything where you're going to be yoked to someone, a business partnership, a marriage. Because my question to this believing spouse is, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do when, you know, comes time to make decisions about how we're going to raise our kids? And you're like, well, the Bible says we should do this. And the person goes, I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that. No, I want to do it totally different. How about how you're going to handle money? And the believer, because the Bible tells us some great ways to handle money and to be wise and to multiply our resources and utilize our resources for good and how to make the most of whatever resources we have. You're going to say to this person, hey, but the Bible says, and going, I don't care. I don't believe the Bible. How are you possibly going to deal with that? And it's like, it doesn't matter. We're in love. Oh. I wish I could tell you how many in love couples I've seen that after a year, two, three years end up torn and broken in the another statistic because they weren't following the same leader see following the same leader when i'm following jesus when we're following jesus it affects everything that's the entire course and direction of our lives and i have to tell you folks shared values shared assumptions who you're following is extremely important this is huge I mean, you need to stop and consider this, especially as we grow in our cultural diversity as a nation, as we become more and more multicultural as a nation. We just need to understand the gifts that that brings and the challenges that that brings. Because diversity is beautiful. When you start to share values, shared assumptions matter. Because when you say to someone, whether it be in business or, well, here we do it this way, and I'm not from here, I don't do it that way. Well, yeah, but we got to kind of have a common framework. We've got to know how we're going to treat each other, how we're going to respond. How, this is, it matters. And in the context of the church, folks, we're supposed to be a model of unity to the world around us. And following Jesus is how that is accomplished. Our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Whenever you see disunity in the church, you know what's going on? Someone's not following Jesus. Someone is not following Jesus. Maybe nobody's following Jesus. That's possible. In Isaiah chapter 53, it describes the sin condition. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. Okay? None of us are following him. We're all doing our own thing. And that is a textbook kind of description of disunity. Everybody going, doing their own thing. When we're following Jesus, we as the church become a beautiful illustration peace and unity to the world around us and there's something in our hearts that longs for that and it's found in following the same leader number three unity requires that we share god's value for people share god's value verses three and four say do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each also to the interests of others value people when I see my plans, my stuff, or my preferences is more important than people, I have become an agent of disunity. When I see my plans, my stuff, or my preferences as more important than people, I will always drift to disunity. That's a really important idea. And I, that doesn't mean my plans don't matter, my stuff isn't important at all, or my preferences are, are totally irrelevant. What it just means is a person is more important. 
And I mean, we need to stop and understand that. And I'm not talking about, okay, every other person can kind of now lead your life. What I am saying is when you understand, I have to value people because they matter to God. And it says they mattered to Jesus in verse 8 enough to where he was humbled himself and was obedient to death on the cross. You want to know how much people matter? You want to know how much you matter to God? Look at the cross and remember. Remember him. But you want to know how much another person, your spouse, your boss, your friends, your enemies, you want to know how much they matter to God? Look at the cross. Because he died for them. When we learn to value people. See, here's the thing. Someone asked me after last service, he said, boy, you talked about a lot of really intense political stuff, and you kind of really walked a fine line there. How did you do that? I said, I try to remember that I'm called to love people who are on the opposite side of whatever aisle it is than me. Because it just makes me speak differently about them, to them. I mean, I can disagree fully. I've got strong opinions on things. doesn't mean I'm not supposed to love the people who differ from me. And that will change the way I speak the truth in love. We've got to value people like Jesus valued people. And that will always bring the gift of unity. So my question to us real quickly is, how are you doing in valuing people? How are you doing in valuing people? Because we have been trained, by the way, many of us have been taught, raised even, to use people. And see people as a means to an end. That will always contribute to disunity rather than unity. And unity is a gift. Last thing, I'll wrap with this. Unity's greatest ally is a character of humility. Unity's greatest ally is a character of humility. He told us to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And humility, value others above yourself. Christ humbled himself by obedience to death on the cross. And humility, some people hear that word. Last thing, I'll wrap with this. Unity's greatest ally is a character of humility. Unity's greatest ally is a character of humility. He told us to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And humility, value others above yourselves. Christ humbled himself by obedience to death on the cross and humility some people hear that word and they they right away think oh that means groveling that means not having an opinion that means not, not at all it's an accurate view of self it means remembering who's god and who's not that's humility humility will cause you to go god is god my creator and i'm so thankful and i'm his creation and it will remind me that so is everybody else and by the way without jesus christ I'm no better and you're no better than the worst sinner you and I could drag up. Apart from Jesus, we're lost. Just like That's what humility looks like. And it changes you. It will make it easier to empathize and to connect and to work towards unity. Pride always goes the other direction. Pride divides, humility unites. You can take it to the bank. Pride puffs up self. We'll find a way to divide. Humility that keeps my feet to the ground, reminds me who's God and who's not. That will always help contribute to unity. Stop and think about it. Pride is desperately concerned with winning, isn't it? Desperately concerned with winning. And we like winning. 
So we have been conditioned socially towards pride. Humility isn't nearly as concerned with winning. Really, it's more concerned with the big picture. It's actually a different kind of winning. It's winning on a different field. And humility understands how to create environments where I can open channels of communication and I can connect with people and I can build people up. That's the gift of humility. You see, we don't, not only are we reconciled to Christ, but 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. We as the church are to be a model and we are to be an ambassador of the good news of reconciliation. And that is such a beautiful gift. Don't let sin, don't let the sin of division steal God's gift of unity, folks. It's a beautiful thing. It's Emmanuel, God with us. When we celebrate Christmas, that's one of the things we're celebrating, this gift of peace on earth. And we have the power to be an ambassador of that peace. So in conclusion, I just want to get real specific with you. Where do you need the gift of unity? In fact, let me turn it around. Where are you struggling with disunity? Maybe it's very close to you. Maybe it's in your marriage, family relationships, parent, child, siblings. Maybe it's at work, neighborhood, maybe organization. Maybe it is a political thing. Maybe you are so wrapped up in the politics of things and angry about injustice and misrepresentation and all this stuff with the real problems. But maybe you're so wrapped up in that that you can't even talk to someone who disagrees with you on those issues. You can't even kind of see past it just to see them as a person. By the way, it's okay to even see a really misguided person. But they're still a person. I don't know where it is. I want to challenge us, though. I want to pray for us. I'm just pray that the Lord would give us the strength. Follow Jesus. Follow the same leader. Let his presence lead and guide us. Give us a value for people. Give us humility such a way that we can be ambassador, catalyst of unity in our relational circles. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as this message and series is available right now as a free audio and video podcast when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 210- 490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.